Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Randy Wartelski. And today we're going to give you something to talk about. This is the show where we pick a topic, schmooze with friends, and leave you with some interesting stuff to think about and hopefully talk about at home. Today we're talking, is it Yuntif again? And you'll see what I mean by that in a few moments. I brought a friend with me today, a guest, Debbie Rocklin. Debbie Meskin Rocklin is an 18-year veteran at the Rabbi Arthur Schneier Park East Day School. She's got a Bachelor of Arts and a Master of Science in Early Childhood Education. She's a Queens College graduate and currently lives on the Upper East Side with her husband, Kenny, and their three children, Zachary, Jacob, and Daniela. Debbie, thanks so much for coming by to schmooze with me on the topic, Is It Yontif Again? Randy, thanks so much for having me. I know. Is it Yantif again? What day is today? I don't even know. We're all up in the air. And we should tell the viewer, the listeners yes. that the idea for the show actually came to us over a Yantif meal. This is true. Well, why don't you tell everybody how it started? And, and we were just schmoozing in general about Yantif and how it's coming and going. And it's Yantif and then it's Shabbos. And then, you know, some people have school in Cholomowit. Some people don't have school in Cholomowit. And nobody knows where they are and what they're doing. So I have to tell you a funny story. Okay. I actually have two stories to tell you, which um, are sort of the lead in. For, for this show. So I have a six-year-old son, Sam. He's so cute. He's so cute. He's so cute. So he wakes up Monday morning, and the first question always out of his mouth is, can I watch TV? Well, hello. Any, any six-year-old uh, child is going to be asking that yes. same question. This is a child who just loves TV. Okay. And so he says to me, first he wakes up, he says, Mommy, what day is it? So I said, it's Monday. Good question. And then he said, can I watch TV? And I said, no, you can't. It's Yuntif. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, again? <laughs> Just like that. And so there, how, did, how did you respond to him? And there what you did go. you say? The title for our show was born. There you go. Is it Yuntif again? So I said, yes, actually, it is Yuntif again. But it's a different Yuntif than it was last Yuntif. And this Yuntif, some people eat in the sukkah and some people don't in the sukkah, eat in the sukkah. We eat in the sukkah, although mommy growing up didn't eat in the sukkah. And don't forget to bring your flag to shul, which day do I bring my flag okay, to Okay, wait, 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 stop. Did you lose him by then? <laughs> he probably didn't know which day and end was up. Totally. He's like, you know what? This is more entertaining than TV. <laughs> I would agree. A thousand percent. He didn't, he didn't even need to sit in front of the TV anymore. No. And then, just as, a, as an aside, so... A little bit later, this, this second story that I'm going to tell you happened on, on Monday night, actually. Um, I have a three-year-old daughter, Ellie, who's also so cute. So cute. And we're on our way to shul for Hakafos Monday night, right? It was Monday night because I'm thinking, I don't know which end is that. Monday, Monday night was Hakafos, yep. And I said to her on the way to shul, which I probably shouldn't have said because I knew it was going to come back to bite me later. But I said, oh, no, Ellie, we forgot your flag at home. So she says, why do I need my flag? To dance? Because my mower told me that we're going to dance with the Torah, right? So I need my flag to dance. I said, yes, but you know what? We're not going to go back home now to get it. We'll bring it tomorrow. <laughs> and then sure enough, on the way to shul the next day, she says, Mommy, I left my flag at home. And I said, I really don't think that we have time to go back and get it. Oh, I hope you we'll, did. I said, we'll get a flag at shul. Okay. And, and? We'll, we'll dance with our flag at home later. Good idea. That was, I got to say. Randy, 
That was a good mommy thing to say, and that was a great educator thing to say. Good for you. And did you guys dance at home? Well, um, what's the right answer here? Um, the answer <laughs> is, of course you did. You know what? Ellie Wartelski always dances. Oh, great. She's always a mover and a shaker. There you go. She doesn't need a flag to dance. Really? And, um, you know, it just, it spurred a lot of thoughts in my mind. And I appreciate that you telling me that that was a good answer. That was a great answer. As a parent and as an educator, because, you know, sending the kids off to school today, I literally had to, sending them off yesterday. See, I don't even know which end is up. Literally had to peel them out of bed to get them dressed, to get them on the bus. And then even as they were waking up, they said, their school today? What day is it? What day Where is it? are we? What's going on? And I want to, if I recall correctly, I believe that yesterday morning, it was so dark and dreary out dark, yes. at 645 when the alarm clock went off right. that I think nobody knew which end was up and where to go. Right. I mean, I know that when I got to school Wednesday morning, now you should know, let me take a step back. You should know that every morning I stand outside of the building at Parky Day School And I say good morning to all of the children by name. Hello, Michael. Hello, Sandy. Hello, this one. Hello, that one. You must be very good at names. I'm very good at names. We're going to get back to the names. Absolutely. And usually after I say good morning to Michael and to Sarah and to Nachman, I say happy Monday. If it's Monday, I say happy Tuesday. If it's Tuesday, I got to tell you, I didn't know which day it was. I kept on saying to everybody, wait, happy Thursday, happy Wednesday, happy Tuesday. I don't know which day it was. So when you're telling me that the children didn't know what day it was, I promise you, or if it was Yantif again, I think as adults, we also didn't know which day it was. For sure. And and as teachers coming into school and as educators coming into school, it also coming off of, for many people, it was a week and a half of vacation, but also a week and a half of busyness. It's not like you were sitting around and doing nothing. I mean, you were busy, you were up, you were in the kitchen, you were out of the kitchen, you were with friends, you were not with friends. It just was such a busy time. Busy time. That to then come in and, you know, have to put on your other hat. Right. It was sort of like a major, it was like a major shift on some level yesterday morning when we all had to get up and get our acts together and say, okay, it's not Yuntif now, it's back to work. And I have to say something, it's interesting, you know, children... Children have sometimes, they have a challenge with with shifting, as do adults. Adults, though, have an easier time, for the most part, with shifting gears in terms of transitions, even though it's hard and change is hard. But for little children, it's really even harder. It's funny because people would think that, you know, children are so flexible and they just go with the flow and which they go which, with which they are which they are but but I gotta say when you're on one day off one day on three days off three days and the other thing is that we started school back on a Wednesday correct it was a Wednesday that I know that in my school in the in the lower grades they followed a Tuesday schedule because they missed so many Tuesdays oh my god now you're throwing me off that it was a Tuesday but that it was it a real was Wednesday a Tuesday, and we had one class that actually wasn't supposed to have music because it was a Tuesday schedule, but because I had been following the Wednesday schedule. <laughs> I mean, it was just... You were all bollocked up. Yeah. yeah. No, listen, as I said to you before, this is a hard thing. And let, let's even talk about, you know, it's interesting. Um, on some level, starting Monday is really the beginning of school. Right. Even though we really started in September, whenever it was... But because we've been on and off, really Monday is like the, the, the if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like now five weeks straight right. where we're on. Right. And for children, 
having the consistency and the continuity every day really makes for a child to feel comfortable. And if these few weeks have been a little bit, your child has been a little bit, you know, not whiny, but maybe not as on as they usually are, it's important for parents to know that on and off and on and off is not easy for children. Right. And by the way, um, you know, I, I failed to mention earlier that Debbie is the director of the early childhood program at Parkies Day School, also the director of admissions. We are not just talking about the younger set. Not just talking about the little kids who have a hard time with that. I mean, there are kids that have tests tomorrow already on material that they learned, you know, four or five weeks ago that should theoretically still be fresh in their minds. But because their minds have so been elsewhere, that makes completing that project or studying for that test, you know, that even harder. It makes it much more complicated. Um, And I want to add another piece to this, Randy. Let's talk about the teachers for a second. You know, listen, we, the teachers have been on, the teachers have been off. Um, Most of them have been preparing. And if they weren't preparing, they were, they were going away and stuff like that. So for teachers also to come back now is also a challenge and it's also a transition. So um, kudos to all those teachers that um, that have come back after the holiday. Woohoo! Um, I have to say also that for teachers who teach in a departmental situation, because there were so many m- more Thursdays and Fridays and a few Wednesdays thrown in there, um, teachers have acclimated very well, and I could speak just from personal experience, to their Thursday-Friday classes, right. as have those students acclimated well to their Thursday-Friday schedules and not so much to their Monday, Tuesday 100%. schedules just because they haven't had class. Right. And right. they haven't. Well, it you know, goes along. It goes along with Randy, like we said before, it goes along with the whole consistency and continuity, you know, and how children really thrive on that. And again, as I said, once we start on Monday, I believe it, things are going to really start coming back together as will listen, even with families, you know, even if you if you were away, just coming back from a vacation. Right of being on a no time zone, no waking up for school and no no, no work and no tests. And going to sleep at 11 all o'clock at night. All hours of night, exactly. All hours of the night. You know, now we all have to come back and really get grounded because right. now we're really starting to, right. to get going. And isn't it so apropos that, you know, we just finished one cycle of the Torah. We're starting now. Shabbos Bereshis starting again. And there the new the new Jewish school year starts with the new Jewish year, starts with the new cycle of the Torah. And isn't that so apropos at this point in the year? You know, I think we're going to take a short break and um, we're going to be right back after this. Sky and water, Yom Shlishi, grass and trees, Hashem Echad, Echad. Then came along Yom Revi, stars and moon, Yom Hamishi, birds, bees, and fishies, Yom Shishi, Hashem Echad, Echad. Shabbos Kodesh. The day he rested By his voice, by your mashri Menucha Loisasu Melacha 
for the Parsha we're about to read this weekend. Welcome back, everybody, to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartelski here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I'm sitting here with Debbie Rockland, Director of the Early Childhood Program and Director of Admissions for the Rabbi Arthur Schneier Parkies Day School. And we're talking basically about transitioning back into school, back into life, back into work. I know earlier in the year we talked about change. I had Miriam Wallach in this chair with me, and we, we just talked about change, about Rosh Hashanah starting the new year, and now I sort of feel like it's starting all over again. And Debbie, when you and I were talking earlier, you mentioned two concrete ways that we can all get through this time. One of them you mentioned was having a positive attitude, and the other one that you said was name recognition. So let's talk about the first thing. Let's talk about attitude. It's all in the way you approach it. Waves of highs and lows. How do you ride the waves professionally and personally? You know, Randy, um, it's really all in an attitude. And I think you can take two, you could take one person and you can have one situation happen to them and they will respond to it in one way. And then you'll take another person and have the same situation happen to that person and they will respond to it in a total different way. And I always say it's like, do you look at the situation with the glass half full? Or do you look at a situation with the glass half empty? And I am a believer that you always have to look at a situation with the half with the glass half full. Right. Anybody who knows Debbie Meskin Rockland knows <laughs> that Debbie always has a positive attitude. Yeah, Randy, you have to. In life, you have to because life is complicated. There are challenges. It's not easy. And in order to get through it, no matter what, you have to always look at a situation. And even if it's a really difficult situation, I believe that God allows there to be something in this situation where you can say, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Or I might not be able to see it right now, but there's something that is going to be good that is going to come out of this. And I, I listen. You know, we all have challenges. We it professionally, personally, no matter what. But it's all in the way you take on the challenge and the attitude. One, why did it? Why did we say that? You know, how do you ride the wave? Because pe- there are people that will get stuck and not be able to ride the wave. And what will happen to them, Randy? 
What do you think will happen to them? If they don't ride the wave. If they don't ride the wave, what's going to happen to gonna them? They're going to go under the wave. There you go. Exactly. They're going to go under the wave. And under the wave isn't really the place that we, we, we want to be or can be if there's a challenge ahead of us. So what do I mean by riding the wave? I mean that you have to just keep on having the faith that you really believe you're going through a very tough time. It's not easy. There are lots of things going on. But look at the glass half full. Because with a positive attitude, you then can take a step and put the, the next, your next step in front of the next and in the next and the next. And if not, like you said, you really can go under. And I, I think for teachers, I think for parents, I think for children, it's not easy. It's actually a challenge to have a positive attitude at for times. Sure. Definitely. Don't you know, don't you don't you agree? And, and when you wear both hats, when you're the parent and you're an educator, to leave your challenge at home and walk into the classroom and put a smile on your face. And the kids are leaving their challenges at home too. And the kids are coming into the classroom and, and trying to to compartmentalize it that way. Right. You know, it's it's funny that you say that. I remember when I had my my first son, Zachary, and somebody said to me, and I didn't understand it then, but somebody said to me, you know, without you having to say anything, your child is going to know from the minute you wake up what side of the bed you've woken up on. And they will be able, and he will be able to tell you, even if he doesn't speak, he will be able to show you, ah, today I'm going to press every button that my mother has because that's the side of the bed that she woke up on. Did you ever have those days? You know, Debbie, if the kid is the one that's coming into your bed in the middle of the night and waking you <laughs> up, your, your child has oh. the ability to create... <laughs> The, the reality yes. when you wake up in the morning. This is true. Yes. And yes. although it's very, very, it's, it's very nice and it's very lovely when they wake you up at two o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm not so sure that it's lovely and great, but going back to positive attitudes, yes. there is something positive about it. You get to snuggle with your little baby for, for a little sure. while. For sure. You get, and you get to try out somebody else's bed. Because <laughs> inevitably what happens is they take up all the space in your bed. You got to go to their bed. A hundred percent. I have to say, I remember waking up those mornings and I got to say... I had to have a positive attitude. For sure. Now, I don't know about you, Randy, but I need my sleep. Yes. Do you need your sleep? Well, I need my sleep, but I don't need a lot of sleep. Okay, so I need my sleep. I used to need a lot of sleep. Now that I'm a mommy of three and, you know, a full-time job, I can't say that I get as much sleep as I need. But I will tell you that my challenge is if I don't get a lot of sleep, that positive attitude is not as easy for me to see. But you find it somewhere. You find it because you have to find it. Where you do, have to. Where do you find it? Where do you find the energy? Where do you find the smile <sighs> to look at the children in the morning when you come to school and smile at them and say, welcome to okay. Monday? So, that, so that's a great question. So uh, let me set the scenario for you. I have three beautiful, fabulous children, challenging but fabulous children, and I have to get them basically out of the house by about seven fourteen and a half, seven fourteen point whatever. <clears throat> and I need Gosh, to. Get... I used to think eight was late, was early. No, I used to think seven eight was early. For me. Yeah, no, seven fourteen. And basically, I have to be dressed myself and ready to go right with them. Now, I'm not sure, but I'm. I believe because you have several children, you know what morning routine is like. 
it's not so easy getting children out of bed. Right. Then they have to get dressed, but they want to watch their TV. They have to brush their teeth. They want to eat, but they don't want to eat. They don't want to oh, wear the we socks. Have, they we want have to... no time Tell for me. TV in the morning. No, I, I, I'm sure, but it's still a challenge of they want to watch TV. But this one doesn't like the dress. And even though there's a uniform, it's not the right blue skirt. It's the other blue skirt. Okay, so, so let me just say that. Then I get myself together, and we're all out the door by 7.15. This one forgot his this. That one forgot her that. And then I get to school. And you feel like you've had a whole day already. Had you took the words right out of my mouth, and there I am. I just had a full, a full day. day. That's it. And I didn't even start my job. And actually, actually, my harder job is my job at home. Right. My easier job is my job at, at, during the day, even and though it's pretty all, and hard. All of that before the first cup of coffee. But, um, let's not go. Let me <laughs> let me add another dimension. I don't need coffee to function. Now, a lot of you listeners, if you know me well enough, (laughs) are going to say, we know that about you, Debbie. But there's something about coffee. Truthfully, the caffeine, it just doesn't, it doesn't go with me. I know. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. The truth is, when I drink Coke, I get all like, woo, woo. You know, I get a little crazy from Coke. Right. But so coffee the, the doesn't, caffeine, doesn't do that for me. The caffeine doesn't really go that, that, that well with so my system. So you just have natural... So I just have a Innate. natural, uh, listen, I have a natural feeling to love life. Wait, we're going to get back to it because I want to tell you what happened. So I get to school and I get into my office and I answer my first few emails and I answer the phone, but I have to be downstairs by about, let's say, 20 to 9 to, to greet the children. greet the children, exactly. And as I said to you before, so, uh, so the children start coming about 20 to 9 and I'm saying good morning to everybody and happy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whichever day it is. I don't know, is it Yentif again? I'm not sure. <laughs> and and um, they're wearing a pretty bow. I'll say happy, great bow and a nice shirt and so on and so forth. And and nine out of 10 parents are going to look at me and say, how do you do it? Right. Just tell me how you do it. Right. And I laugh to myself and I say, if they only knew that I had my day already right. and now I'm here. And the funny thing is the one out of 10 parents that you didn't mention, because you said nine out of 10 parents want to know how you do it. The one out of 10 parents says, oh, she's putting it on. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I'm not so sure. But you're not putting it on. No. Well, first of all, I'm not putting it on. Second of all, I you know, they they know me by now. Um, they know me by now to know, you know, some of them might look at me and say under the happy Monday or Tuesday, you know, is everything okay? You know, they'll know my morning was a little bit more tough. But again, positive attitude. Randy, life is really difficult. It just is. And you got to look, you got to ride the wave. You just have to. You have to ride the wave. You have to feel good. It's not easy. There are times where I feel like, honestly, I will say it. There are times where I feel like I want to go under my covers and not come out. But I have a responsibility. And I have to thank God for allowing me to have this personality to to move forward. And aren't you lucky also that it's the children that pull you out? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the little pitzelach. In the school, it's your children at home. It's the future, p- future of the Jewish people. Absolutely, know? I know it sounds so sappy, but these are the the personalities that are pulling you out of your bed. That are saying to you, Mora Debbie. I don't know if they call you Mora Debbie. Debbie. Or they call Debbie, me Debbie. Mommy, they're the reason to get up in the morning. A hundred percent. When I walk around the classrooms during the morning, just to make sure that every classroom is settled and and everybody is covered. It's like I'm able to 
totally forget anything that's going on other than being there in the moment, watching these little children. I mean, watching a little child experiment and learn and figure it out and ask questions. It's tremendous. You know, I was once having a meeting with um, a fellow, uh, with a colleague, a fellow teacher in my school, and it happens to be that this person's son was in first grade at the time. Right. And they were in small learning groups, and they were learning how to read. They were learning alphabet. And this particular group was sitting in the lunchroom around a little table, six kids, seven kids with their teacher. And this teacher and I were having a meeting, and I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I see, and I say, so what do you think? And this teacher says to me, I'm oh, sorry, what did you say? Oh. I, I was I was watching my son. Oh. I was watching my son across, because his son was in the class right. of first graders. Right. I was watching my son learn alphabet. And he said it, it was just an amazing thing to watch, an amazing thing to see. Every parent should be a fly on the wall in school. Right. I think, by the way, every parent wants to be a fly on the wall. I think, would, they, I think they would love to be a fly in the wall, every parent. What yes, do you think? It, maybe a little bit later we could talk about some of those, I some would, of that type of parents, I not would any love specific to. parents. I want to get back to just one other thing, Randy, about positive attitude. I have to give a shout out, honestly, to my mother, and I'll tell you why. I think positive attitudes are innate. I really do. But I think that the people that surround you also can instill a positive attitude. Right. So just a little bit about myself growing up. I was the absolute best monitor that there was in my elementary school. What did you have to monitor? Everything other than being in class. <laughs> so whatever it was, I monitored. I had to run off sheets. You remember the stenogram, whatever, um, those Xeroxes, yes. there used to be the Xerox machine. Um, I used to run to, to make sure that the, the, the class, that the snack was ready. Or I, how about when the teachers would send notes to each other and they'd staple the note correct. and they'd give it and you'd to, have you to, to go run from classroom to classroom? Of course, go to 207 and yes. come right back to 206 with sure. the answer. For sure. Okay, I was the best. One of my challenges was that I just was not academically um, inclined. I, just, I, I was not academically inclined. And it was hard because when you're not academically inclined and you have to go to school every day. You gotta go to school. You yep. gotta go to school. It's very, very difficult. Right. Now, you should know that, I, I, I believe you know my sister Rachel, mm -hmm. Rachel Meskin-Goldschmidt. Mm -hmm. So Rachel was an absolute dynamite student. She had to study for seven seconds, and she would get 110 on the test. Love and those I, people. Love those people. Love <laughs> those people. And there I was, studying for four days straight for a math test, and, and I'd come home. With a? 33! Woohoo! Now, what and mom was, would say? Mom would say, look, you got 33 points on this test. That is tremendous. Tremendous. She would take my test put it on the refrigerator. She would take my sister's 117 because of the extra credits, put it on the refrigerator, and she would say, I'm so proud of both of you. You think that most parents are like that? Because there are some parents where the child comes home with a 98 and they say, what happened to the other two points? Now, they're joking. Um, on some level, they're joking. I'm not so sure right? that they're joking. Um, do I think most parents think that are is, like that? That is such an amazingly... It's such an amazing thing that your mother was able to do that. And 
is very, I think it's very unique. It's very unique. And, and I believe that because of that, I was able to go to school the next day, go to school the next day and also keep up a positive attitude. Because the point was that you tried hard Correct. and you studied and you did your best and maybe you didn't answer all the questions the teacher wanted you to ask, but the questions you were able to answer, you answered all of them. A hundred percent. And I did it as best as I could, but she recognized that. And because of it, I was able to feel like I'm a person. Right. And she kept me going. She helped me ride that wave, Randy. And you're you're right that it's all in the the positive attitude, but it's interesting when you talk about studying for exams and studying for tests. So I actually, you know, I teach music and I actually gave a music test last year or the year before. I don't recall if it was last year or the year before. And I gave the students the piece of music that they were supposed to know for the test beforehand. And as they were studying, they're emailing me questions and they're emailing each other questions and they're studying with each other. And that right. was, that was, we like that, that cooperative okay. learning. And I would never say this to my students, but I'm going to say it. Let's hear. Maybe they're listening. Um, I'm going to say it at the end of the day. It didn't matter to me if every single one of them failed that test. Right. I knew that they studied. Right. And more importantly, I knew that they learned something. Right. They came into that test. Now, it's a music test. It's a listening test. Right. You can't really, you can't really study for it. You could listen to the music, but you have to just understand what you're listening for. And they came into that test and they were just, it didn't matter what I asked them. They learned. Right. And really the number didn't matter. And they walked away so proud of themselves because they knew that they worked their hardest. So at the end of the day, did it make a difference what the number was? No. It made a difference that they felt good about themselves. I agree with that statement. That's a beautiful thing that you just said. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this. Dad, 
אבל עין, ועשית עדיין, והאויב בכהרת עין דאגה מנין. העבר עין, ועשית עדיין, והאויב בכהרת עין דאגה מנין. העבר עין, עין, ועשית עדיין, והאויב בכהרת עין דאגה מנין. everybody to something to talk about. I'm Randy Wartowski here at the Nachum Siegel Network and I'm sitting here with Debbie Meskin Rocklin, Director of Early Childhood at Parkies Day School. We said this part already. Uh, very important person, very good friend. And Debbie, we were talking earlier about you as a student. Yes. And you in school and that lovely grade that you received on that test and yes. your mother's reaction. Yes. Um, so I think... When I reflect on that story, there are many different ways that we can go. But one of the things that I'd like to actually talk to you about, since you're not only an educator, but you're a mommy of Kenai Nahara, five children, is that every child is an individual. And every child is unique. And I'm sure just sitting here thinking about your five you can say to yourself, if I, I had to say right now, okay, Randy, give me one thing that's unique about each one of your children, you would be able to do that. Right. Okay. Don't so, ask me that question, though. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> that's putting me on the spot. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. But it's an important, it's an important point. It's an important point for teachers. Yes. It's an important point for parents. It's an important point for grandparents. Why is it important? Because every child is different. And every child 
comes to the table with something else. And we as adults and educators have to recognize in each child what their uniqueness is. And how to reach them. Correct. Based on who they are. Correct. And what their needs are. Correct. So if you go back to the story that I had said to you about putting my mother putting the 33 on the refrigerator, what was her kunst? Her kunst to me was, you got 33 points, but don't worry, you're the best monitor that Dovrevel ever had. Right. You're, you have the most wonderful personality. You know every single song that's played on the radio. You know every single phone number of all your friends. And you know every single name of every single student <laughs> at your school. This is true. And I know every single name of every single child. And almost all their babysitters and their parents as well. Oh, man. But, but again, let's go back because it's an important point, Randy. You know, children are so special. And I don't mean children just of two-year-olds. And I don't mean children just of seven-year-olds. You can be a child of 17 and you can still, and there's a uniqueness to you. Right. And one needs to take a step back always and say, what is it that we can bring out with this child? And it's interesting that you say also that we're not just talking about a child who's two or a child who's seven, et cetera. I once actually attended a parenting seminar. And the most important point that stuck with me was when the educator who taught the seminar was talking about relationships and she's talking about your relationship as a parent with your child. Right. And she's comparing it to your relationship that you have with your friends, your relationship that you have with your spouse, your relationship with your parents, as if you should be treating the children like you would a friend, a spouse, an adult, that they're not anything less because they're kids. Right. They are the Actually, relationship sometimes is the same. They're smarter, by the way, than some of the adults. And they, and they pick up on things. It, they much, pick much, much faster. Easily, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like we said at the beginning, we said that, you know, my son who woke up in the morning knew which side of the bed I woke up and he knew exactly which button to press. Right. So it's true. But the gift of a talented teacher and an educator and a principal and a parent and a grandparent again is to really find it and then build on it with the child. Because what will that do, Randy? That will then enable that child to feel good about themselves. And what's what, what, what's the most important thing? Back to the positive attitude, right. back to the self-esteem. Right. What did my mother do? She gave me a sense of self. She gave me a self, she gave me a sense of, okay, so it's not the, it's not the academics that you have, but you have other things. Randy, there are artists, there are musicians, there are, I mean, even in your house alone, you probably have, what what, what do you have? Tell me what you think. We have, me amongst my children. Amongst your children, let's say. We have all types. All (laughs) types. Great. We have dancers, we have singers, we have jumpers, we have kids who climb out of their crib. You have you have singers, which you we said. have singers. Um, you know, so again, you got to look at them and say, okay, so this child might not be the top in the class. Now it happens to be that I'm very focused on that because I wasn't the top of the class. But there are many parents that want their children to be the top of the class. And it's so interesting because thank God, look how successful a person you've become thank in your God. professional life, in your personal life, in your inner self, you've become a a successful person with your attitude and the way that you approach life. And all of that started with you as a little kid. Correct. And this is the kind of adult you've become. 
And I bet that there are many parents out there who see the 33, react positively to their child, but then inside say to their spouse, oh my God, this person is not going to make anything of himself when he gets when he gets older. That's a great point. I think that my father completely said that to my mother. And I think my mother kept on saying to him, don't worry. Don't worry. And my father probably was very worried. And it's funny also that you're saying that because I think sometimes it's hard for parents to see if they have children like themselves to see history repeating themselves. And I think that that does happen. Um, And I think that, again, you got to ride the wave. And, you know, that song also comes to mind. You got to accentuate the positive. Correct. You got to accentuate the positive. That song comes to mind as well. Now, the other thing that you talked about, which we're going to get to in a minute, I just want to mention that you talked about name recognition, putting names to faces and how important it is for a child or a person for you to remember a name. And... I want to get back to this actually in a minute because I want to move on to the segment that I actually really enjoy. Something to talk about that I shouldn't be talking about. (laughs) Gotta love that. Let's hear which one it is. What is it? And the topic is, and I'm a little, I'm nervous to say it, but the topic is going to be the so-called helicopter parents, pushy parents. And again, we're not talking about any one individual that either of us know or that either of us have seen, but the persona in general of a pushy parent, of a helicopter parent. And when I say helicopter parent, that's a nouveau term. How would you explain that? For the parents who hang around in the lobby, who, who hover, who, you know, are always around when, when the teacher turns around, the first face they see is that parent and that parent knows everything. And that parent is always emailing, is always on top and pushing the child. And, you know, we just talked a minute ago about I guess, positive pushing. Right. What do you say about those parents and what the, what that could mean for their child? Okay, so listen, pushy parents or helicopter parents. And pushy parents are parents even not of just students. Pushy parents are parents of... Of course, just parents. Right, just parents, parents in general. Exactly. Um, I think that, let's take it from the educator this side, the side of the educator right now. I think for any teacher who has a helicopter parent or a pushy parent, it is a very big challenge. Yes. It's tremendous because no matter what, no matter which way you turn, that parent is there. Is always there. Waiting to catch you, to grab you, to chastise you, to, 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 to get you. And that's hard. Now, if you think as a parent... As a, as a teacher, that's hard. Kal v'chomer, which means that um, even more so, yeah. what do you think it is for that child? Right. So I'm pained but I, I'm not for that sure. child. Do you think that the children realize it? You think they notice it or you think they might not realize it until much later? Um, I think it could be a little bit of both. I think that, as we said before, children are very Smart. Yes. I'm sure some of the children that have these helicopter so-called parents want their mommies out. Right. Out of their life. Not literally, but get out of school. Don't watch and stay. Let me have my time. One of the important things for children in terms of development and growth is having their own time. 
And any helicopter parent robs their children of that time. Right. And and maybe the, the child will come back later in perhaps a more rebellious way and say, I really need you to leave me alone. Exactly. Like, stay away from me or right. I'm not going to now share with you because you're always in my face. Right. Now, the helicopter parent, I believe, thinks that they're doing the best thing for their child. For sure. Now, you can sit here till you're blue in the face telling a helicopter parent that what they're doing is probably not the best thing for their child. But I don't believe that a helicopter parent wants to hear what you have to say. Interesting. Because I believe they're so wrapped up in hovering and helicoptering that there's no access. Right. It's just, what are they saying? Where are they going? What's and the how do the children of those parents learn to deal with disappointment or when things don't exactly go their way? How do children of those parents learn to deal with the 33 on their own right. if their parents are always sort of fighting their battles for them? So I don't think that I have a perfect answer for that because guess what? I don't think there is a perfect answer for right. that. And all of us, to some degree... Maybe, you know, some of us. Some more than some others. Some of us land on the helipad Correct. a little more often than others. <laughs> yes. But I think ideal, like theoretically, yeah. we all want to be helicopter parents. We all want to be there. We all want to know everything. Okay, so and, I'm not. And I, stop, 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 stop. I'm not so sure. Okay. I have to be honest with you. You don't think we all have a little bit of it? No, I don't think we all do. But let me say like this. I know that Debbie Meskin Rockland does not have that. Okay. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you because why do I think? I don't want to know everything. I don't want to see everything. Better that seeing, way. Yes. <laughs> seeing things are sometimes painful. Right. And I think that the more you see, the more it eats you up. Why would you do that? Now, right. even if it's a perfect person and even if there are no issues, but everybody has something. Right. And I feel like what I don't know doesn't hurt me. And then on the flip side... There are parents who don't know enough. Correct. There are parents who don't know enough because they choose maybe not to know enough. And because they choose not to know enough, their children get that subtle feeling of no need to share. Right. I'm not going to share because they're not asking. Select, so no need selective to, sharing. Selective sharing. You know, out of my three children, it's funny. Right now, I know that I have one child, and I'm not going to say the name of that one child, but that one child will share with me anything and everything. So I'm very lucky. I'm not yet sure about the other two, but I believe that because of the fact that I've given him the space and the time, and not a helicopter parent, I believe it's bringing him closer to me right. to then say, I want to share, which, right. is, the most impo- which is the most important thing. Um, but I got to say, helicopter parents, to bring it full circle, Randy, helicopter parents are really challenging. And we all know a few, not that I'm, you know, not that I'm thinking of any of them, but it's the nature of parents. Right. Because they want to do everything right for their child. Yeah. Which they, everybody has the best of intentions, I believe, when it comes to their children. Yes. Except I'm going to bring it back now again another time. If a child doesn't have the ability to do things on their own, they will not be able to ride the wave. 
I like that. I like that. Debbie, I want to come back to name recognition because I see that we're running a little short on time and I didn't want to forget to bring this in before we get to our last segment of quotable quotes. You got it. So you said you come in every morning and you say hello to the kids and you know every child by name. And the truth is that I teach a lot of students and I have taught a lot of students that are now graduated. And I think that my memory maybe used to be a little bit better than it is now. Now it's just got a lot of junk inside my head. But um, Five children can actually do that to you, I think. Yeah, each pregnancy just chips away a little <laughs> bit more at the ability to keep all the names straight. But I do, I do have a handle. I really know my students well. Yes. I really do. And um, I actually recently saw a former student, a graduate, a graduate uh, at a restaurant, at an eatery, and I said hello to her by name. And I tell me what her face looked like. So I think that, you know, we played the like, I know you, you know me. Should we say hello? Should we not? And I think it's she would have said hello to me because I saw that she wanted to. But I kind of beat her to it by saying hello and saying her name. And she flipped around like, oh, my God, you remember me? I can't believe you remember me. And I was like, of course I remember you. Right. I mean, being a music teacher, I think we share a lot of. This is the way I look at it. A lot of very emotional times together. Right. And a lot of time together, especially when there's a grade that's preparing for whatever sort of musical event they might be preparing for. We really do spend a lot of time together, a lot of fun time, a lot of serious time. And I really get a chance to know my students in a very different way than their other teachers. Right. And the look on her face told me how important it is to to recognize a student, to recognize a person by their name. Right. So I, I know that I have the biggest smile on my face right now. Um, the listeners out there can't really see it, but I know that you they can hear see it. it. They hear it. Um, it's so important for children to know that the people that they're dealing with know who they are. Right. It's so important for the parents of the children that we're dealing with for them to know that we know who their children are. It makes a child's day when they ride up in that stroller and I say, good morning, Randy. It makes their day, the smile that's on their face is priceless. But it makes me so happy, too, because I know that I'm making them so happy. And the smile comes back to you. Exactly. I'm making them so happy. So it's so bad for Ari Wartelski, who's so bad at names. It's so bad. It's so bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's not so good. Poor guy. But I will tell you, it is actually, I couldn't do math and science, okay, which we know already with the 33. Right. But I can do names, and I can do personal. And people. And people. And that's a very, very, very big, I think that's probably one of the most tremendous things for educators to be able to remember and to be able to call a child by their name because that's what makes a child feel good about themselves. So Debbie, do you? this is a good segue into our last segment of quotable quotes. I'm going to yes. say a quote and get some reaction from you. Okay. You remember the personality Zsa Gabor? Yeah. Zsa Gabor has a famous statement that she says i call everyone darling why do you think she called everyone darling 
because I can't remember their names. <laughs> right. That's that's Zsa, Zsa Gabor, but she could get away with it. She can get away with it. I certainly can't get away with it. But you know what? I wouldn't want to get away with it. Because as I said, like just seeing the children's faces, it could be a two-year-old. It could be a seven-year-old. And in my case, it could be a... What it was could be a high schooler. Person was 21 or 22 years it, old. Exactly. Yeah. I walk into the elevator and I'm with a sixth or seventh grader and I say, good morning, David, good morning. They look at me. Good morning. Right. They're like, wow, it's amazing. And it's something. And it, by the way, also automatically yeah. by making that connection with you, they're brought back to some wonderful, beautiful memories in their life. Right. Absolutely. You know, well, just in a split second, you recognizing them, them recognizing you, you saying their name. They're like, oh, my God, remember, blah, 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 blah. And then they walk out of the elevator. And, and then it, they move and on with their day. Move on. Exactly. But for just yes. a moment. For those few seconds. To, to that big smile. Yep. Um, another quote that I found says, because it's interesting, you were talking about your mother before, how simple a thing it seems to me that to know ourselves as we are, we must know our mother's names. Oh, that is very interesting. And this is not actually even a Jewish quote, but I was thinking about it from a Jewish perspective as well, that we are always connected to our parents' names. A hundred percent. That's why actually in my bio, which you did read, it said Debbie Meskin Rockland. I have to say in terms of name and mother's names, my mother was an educator. She used to teach babies, the toddlers. She taught many different for many years, and then then she then she became an early childhood director, and and so on and so forth. There has to be some something there that that's connecting, and yep, goes back to my mother's name, William Arthur Ward, who I don't really know, says the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates. A great teacher inspires. Excellent quote. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing for all educators and teachers to have in mind every morning when they walk in, in the door. It's a fabulous quote. I think I'm actually going to take it with me and I'm going to have it for my teachers tomorrow morning. I think it actually puts together a full picture of the talent of a teacher. And I think that it, it really brings it to home for any educator, whether it's really a teacher or even a parent. For sure. One can put themselves, put yourself in there. Yeah. And you can still you for can sure. still go with it. You didn't know that I could compare you to Winston Churchill, right? No. But the great Winston Churchill what said, and we've got about a minute left here. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Absolutely. I've seen that quote before. I've seen it hung up in schools and whatnot, but it's just goes back to what we started with when we were talking earlier. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. And isn't that so true? And I'm comparing you to Winston Churchill. Look at that. It's so true. I think that now you, you told me that we're wrapping up, but I, I have to say, and we should. And then go, I just have one more quick quote for you also you after got, you. You got ahead. it. I, I want to say that again. If there's one thing that we walked away from tonight, and I think we walked away from a lot of things, and this was a lot, a lot of fun, and I loved sharing with you, Randy. Again, it's positive attitude. It's the positive attitude. So I appreciate that you've actually compared me to Winston, to Winston Churchill. <laughs> and as a, se- as a segue to our last quote, which I also thought was just such a genius quote and, and goes so well with what you said earlier, the only difference between a good day and a bad day 
is your attitude. Love it. And isn't that so true? Debbie, thank you so much for joining me today on Something to Talk About. I hope that we've given the listeners something to talk about. Let's give them something. 